0: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Long, and I'm here with my co-hosts for this series, Danielle and Donald. Say hello. 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 So we are in part two of the Danvers Statement series. We're really getting into the theological weeds here. So if that is not to your liking, I'm I'm so sorry. We'll be Getting back to gay stuff and cult stuff and <laughs> and all the normal stuff I do for this show soon after. But for those of you who are still with us, thank you so much for listening. So we are going through the Danvers Statement. Definitely go back and listen to part one so you're all caught up. But just a, a brief intro here. The Danvers Statement is a statement from the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood in which they are outlining the biblical, how to put it, the biblical model for male and female. The and
1: alleged, biblical, love. The alleged <laughs> biblical. The alleged biblical. <laughs> alleged. Uh-huh.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so we're just gonna go ahead and pick up right where we left off.
1: Alright. Yes. So the Danvers Statement has ten affirmations. Uh, and we are just about to read number five. We got through the first four in episode one. So. Number five. The Old Testament as well as the New Testament manifests the equally high value and dignity which god attached to the roles of both men and women um i mean i'm going to say i agree with that insofar as i would say god attached equally high value and dignity to the personhood of both yes. men and women. Bravo. I, I well, don't know that you know. I can affirm that he said you know men should always do this and women should always well, do this. Well, and in here's all times here's and the places. problem is yeah. that
0: they say that mm-hmm. they say that, but in act, but
1: in practice, but in practice, yeah. it doesn't
0: actually turn out that way. No. And, and it does mm-hmm. turn into this inherent contradiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Both the Old and New Testaments, however, also affirm the principle of male headship in the family and in the covenant community. Oh boy, let's break it down. Okay. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yes, so yeah. so educate me about uh, what all so this means. It they,
2: also they... it also advocates for polygamy.
1: Yeah, for stoning uh, adulterers for, you know, a for lot of, lot of other things. A lot of for
2: stoning adulterers. For genocide, things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. know.
1: Pretty cool. So uh, once again, for each of these affirmations, there are several scripture references. And for this one, uh, they have Genesis 2.18, which we talked about a lot in episode one. Essentially, that is where uh, Eve is called Adam's helper. And the word for helper there uh, is actually a word used of God nineteen times in the old testament and of women twice. So if you're going to use the word Ezer or helper to say that women should be subordinate to men, you'd have to say that God should be subordinate to men. That's not cool. <laughs> they go on to talk <laughs> about no. Yeah, they go on to talk about Ephesians five, twenty one through twenty three, which is part of Paul's quote unquote household codes. Mm. Um, And, you know, he talks about the analogy of husbands and wives being a picture of Christ and the church. Therefore, wives should submit to their husbands as the church ought to submit to Christ. And, you know, men should love their wives as their own bodies, as Christ loves his body, the church. Which, compared to some of the gender relations at the time, is actually pretty progressive, for one thing.
2: Paul was a very skilled orator.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I
2: feel like statements like this and I there are other theologians that that mm-hmm. frame it this way too, is kind of a bait and switch.
1: Mm.
2: Because wives submit to your husbands
1: was a Greco Roman no, ideal. Yeah. yeah.
2: Nobody mm-hmm. would have batted an eyelash to that. So they were like so you can see the people in the room and you can see the men looking at their wives, at them, nodding, yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, submit to me. You know? mm.
2: <laughs> and then he says, but, mm-hmm. but, husbands, love your wives as Christ. Mm-hmm. Love was not needed in a marriage.
1: Love was not considered a necessary part of a marital union, no.
2: Mm, that mm-hmm. is a good point. If we're talking about biblical norms of marriage, we're talking about a business transaction.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm which is what it was in the culture at the time. It was an yeah. economic arrangement for the procreation of children so that, you know, the economic system could continue. Well, and I want to take this in a sort of a different direction. You know, the the affirmation talked about how the, quote, Old and New Testaments affirm that the principle of male headship in the family and the covenant community. Um, you know what the Old and New Testaments also affirm? Slavery. Slavery. And I'm not, I don't see a lot of complementarian Christians arguing that, sla- you know, abolition was a bad thing or that slavery should continue internationally.
2: Only because it's not politically correct.
1: No, I think because I, I really they genuinely, they would. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know, because the re- because then, then so much of the rest of the church would say, you monsters. But like, you know, there's the verse 1 Peter 2, 18, where Paul uses the word submit, the same word that he uses, you know, wives, submit to your husband he says slaves submit to your masters and he goes on to say not just the kind ones but also the harsh ones like this is this is a biblical mandate for slavery and so yeah no so saying that both the old and new testaments supposedly affirm the principle of male headship in the family and the covenant community you know again we have we have moved away from the idea that slavery is a part of the mandated will of god like god wants to see freedom for captives and he wants to see equality among people. This is a a point on which the church honestly is going against quote-unquote the clear meaning of scripture because of the continuing revelation of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit.
0: And let's not forget about the Jews. Let's not forget the fact that the biblical witness as interpreted by all three major branches of the church for most of church history was Mm -hmm. that Jews are outside of God's
1: Redemption. Redemption. Mm -hmm.
0: That they are a fallen race. Yep. I mean, I mean, the the church was pretty unanimous in its anti-Semitism. Well, after that finally exploded in the horrors of the Holocaust, finally the church backed up and said, hmm, maybe that wasn't a good maybe idea. That wasn't a great idea. And now mm-hmm. the church, by and large, unless you go to seminary or you read about it, the church has forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. And we've just forgotten the fact that there is this whole, you know,
1: 2,000-year history of, of established
0: world. theology. Basic, I mean,
1: nineteen hundred year history, nineteen
0: hundred so. year history yeah. or so of basically uh, villainizing the Jewish people yeah. and seeing Martin Luther had
2: a book called that against the
1: Jews. Yeah.
0: Exactly, mm-hmm. yep. and it wasn't just you know within certain pockets; it was all three major branches. It was
1: all three major branches, yeah. And mm-hmm. and so
0: you know this idea that the church can't evolve or that or
1: doesn't or doesn't mm-hmm. or
0: that the interpretation of scripture can't change is bullshit but it's we just not but really. part of the problem I think is that a lot of these ways in which the church has changed most of us just don't really think about
1: yeah and aren't mm-hmm. very
0: much aware of
1: we just don't remember we don't remember we have, remember. Memories, we have yeah.
0: especially here in American evangelical Christianity we have an incredibly short memory
1: mm-hmm. well and now I'm gonna because in in episode one we talked about examples of female leadership in the early church and they they absolutely exist. See Romans chapter 16 for a few examples. And uh, now this this number five states the Old Testament as well as the New Testament uh, affirms the principle of male headship in the covenant community. Sure to, oh, sorry, go. thank you.
2: You know, one of the things that I love about that scripture, Danielle, and I think it's in, I think Romans 16 has this story too. You not only have women leaders, but you have two women leaders that are arguing with each other. So, And they're like, it's pretty, <laughs> it's intense enough that Paul has to address
1: to talk about it Mm
2: -hmm. and instead of saying what we would think you know well there you go that's proof women shouldn't be in leadership because they can't get along with each other so i'm just going to chuck the whole thing he says no he says reconcile with each other so basically so your ministries don't get hurt in the process yeah
1: so that you do not hurt the witness of the gospel Mm. so even
2: so even when women are in leadership and intention with each other Paul doesn't check
1: the whole the whole concept mm-hmm. yeah but yeah no so to address the claim that the old testament affirms the principle of exclusive i'll say male headship in the covenant community uh we're gonna talk i'm just gonna i'm just gonna mention some names there's deborah in the book of judges who was quote a mother in israel And a judge. She was a judge. The highest office in the theocracy of ancient Israel before the time of kings. Then there was Miriam. Micah 6.4 lists her with Moses and Aaron as, quote, a leader of the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. She's also called a prophetess. Then there is Hulda, whom everybody forgets about. Huldah lived in the time Poor of King Huldah. Josiah. I know when um, the, the book of the law, quote unquote, had been lost for a long time and was being rediscovered. Now, some contemporaries of King Josiah were Isaiah, were Jeremiah, uh, were some big Nehemiah, were some big prophetic names. But when it came time to to read aloud and interpret the book of the law, Josiah called on Huldah. A female prophetess living in Jerusalem. He had options, and he chose the woman. Mm. This is in Second Kings twenty-two. You've got Isaiah's wife, who's called a prophetess, and then in the, and then in the New Testament, you've got Anna, who was a prophetess living in, living in the temple in Jerusalem, and who heralded the arrival of the infant Jesus Christ in the arms of Mary and Joseph.
2: One of my favorite women heroes in the Bible, and it's in, and it's in the story of Deborah. So you've got two, right. What, is uh what was her name? You what can't forget J.
1: L. You can't forget J. L.
2: Who used her womanly wiles to lure the ki- the enemy king into her mm-hmm. tent, and then, and then, <laughs> and then, drove a tent spike through his head, yep. through his skull into yep. the ground.
0: That's some Game of Thrones shit. <laughs>
1: that right is there. some Game of Thrones nonsense <laughs> right a, there. <laughs> that is a. Uh-huh.
2: That is a that yeah. is a Khaleesi moment.
1: JL, she killed Sennacherib. She did it with a 10 let And, and
2: mm-hmm. let's also not forget that Barak, the leader of the warrior leader, when Deborah was the judge, basically said,
0: I'm not going to battle unless you go with me, girl.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm refused to go into battle and Deborah came too.
0: So basically, these are the exceptions that disprove the rule.
1: Basically. Within scripture. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. of,
0: I think that it's pretty obvious that, in, at least in my view, that scripture is generally patriarchal, homophobic, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But then you have these exceptions and...
1: And they don't come from the culture around them. No. You cannot make <laughs> exactly. the argument that someone like Deborah is a result of the culture of ancient Israel. She's not. She Therefore, was an anomaly. she is a result of the movement of the the spirit of god like you cannot say exactly that women leaders in the old testament or the new were a result of conforming to the worldly culture yeah, th- around they are the exceptions
0: no. that disprove the rule okay so story
2: time when i was i was briefly a student online at liberty university
1: oh honey
0: oh yes let's share liberty university stories please
1: mm-hmm. so
2: if you read the book of judges and i have had this confirmed all of the male judges had issues except for deborah
1: yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So,
2: and Deborah's reign was 40 years long, approximately the same time as Queen Elizabeth, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think Elizabeth might have been longer, but anyway. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so anyway, there was a, I was taking Old Testament survey, and so in the book, it listed the sin problems of the Judges. And of course Deborah doesn't have one, but because she was the woman, they had to give her something because Uh-oh. heaven Heaven forbid they show up the men. Yeah. So you have Samson. He was a womanizer. Gideon, he was a coward, you know, etc. etc. It comes to Deborah. Do you know what it said?
1: Oh, I would love to know, Donald.
2: She was a woman.
1: Oh, screw you. Screw you. I mean, oh, I saw
0: that coming, but you. I'm still. I saw it coming, too. <laughs> Jesus I'm fucking Christ. I'm still
1: so angry about it. it, act- how, dare it, it? how dare you? Really? How dare
2: you? Right in black and white, yes. Her how problem was that she was you? a woman.
0: Jesus Christ, really? How dare you? Yeah. They just said it? Yeah. They yeah. just said it. Just said it. In print.
1: you! How dare you blaspheme the spirit of God that way? If he, oh my goodness so, gracious! So
0: for theology nerds wanting to look into this, uh, what was the textbook? Do you remember? Oh gosh, uh,
2: no, I don't. But okay. it
0: was a. Uh, but it was. It there, was one black of- and white. Yeah, I'll oh, wow. look at I'll look it if You can tweet it later. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, can, yeah, that, that would be great. I can put it in the show notes for. Because
1: I'm sorry, the Old Testament says absolutely zero things about her femininity being a sinful thing as a judge. I
0: actually kind of imagine her as like a butch dyke, like <laughs> like a motorcycle butch dyke. Like she, I imagine her as kind <laughs> oh, of a beast.
1: Gosh. Hey Deb,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her name is Deb. <laughs> I've always so, seen,
2: you know, Lucy Lawless, like Zena. There you, know, you go. Yeah. There's yeah. some blue
1: eyes. And, yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So now, now that we've had that image in your head, uh, let's go on to number six. Uh, Redemption in Christ aims at removing the distortions in- introduced by the curse, which I agree with. But I would argue that the distortion is this hierarchical patriarchy that always and de facto puts men in authority above women over and above the idea that we are all under the authority of God. Yes. Anyway, and this is in two spheres, in the family and in the church. We'll start with the family. In the family, husbands should forsake harsh or selfish leadership and grow in love and care for their wives, of course. Duh. But wives should forsake <laughs> resistance to their husband's authority and grow in willing submission. Donald has to a thing to say. Go. <laughs>
2: hashtag me too much
1: yeah well mm -hmm. i mean
2: forsake
0: resistance
1: yeah to their husband's authority. Jesus. And grow Christ. in willing, joyful submission to their husband's leadership.
0: This is how we create abuse.
1: This is how you create abuse. Because then there are no checks on the power. I'm sorry, there just aren't checks on the power of the husband in the family. And you get and and to go back to a point in the rationale, uh, this this accusation that physical and emotional abuse have grown since since women have taken, you know, positions of authority in the church or gained more authority in the family. I mean, I would have to look at some data, but simply anecdotally, it seems ridiculous. Absolutely. It seems can, we so-
2: just say, can we just say what that, really, what that really means? That is the nice academic way of saying if women just knew how to keep their mouth shut. Yeah,
1: basically. Because here's the thing. It's simply that we're hearing about it more. It is more documented. It is more talked about. We have removed these sort of layers of, oh, if you talk about this, well, no one will listen or you'll be punished for even speaking of it. Exactly. And so people are coming forward and they're bringing forward these stories of physical and emotional abuse. And yes, it's reflecting poorly on these existing power structures of hierarchical patriarchy and people can't stand that
0: exactly you know and while we're on this subject i do want to do an episode uh with someone who is knowledgeable about the protestant sex abuse scandal and that so if, great. if there's anyone listening who who mm-hmm. who knows of anyone or is someone who could talk lucidly about that please contact me i want to hear from you
1: yeah yeah.
0: Uh, because there is this this massive sex abuse scandal exploding mm-hmm. within these traditions. You know, the Catholic Church has kind of gone through its rounds and is going through its rounds of abuse. but now it's, it's coming, coming to light. It is, is coming to more to and more well. and more to light, mm-hmm. especially in churches that hold yeah. to this kind of system.
1: Moreover, I cannot abide this this equation of growing female leadership and female you know voice in the home as an excuse for men perpetrating abuse. Women are not responsible for your behavior. You are responsible for your behavior. Quit blaming it on women, you silly, silly men. Yes, please. <laughs> you assholes just stop.
0: Petty, yeah, no. fragile men.
1: <laughs> Women growing in authority does not mean that you therefore are perpetrating more abuse. Stop.
0: Well, it, and isn't there always that there there's always that pattern though. You mm-hmm. know, when when people in subordinate positions suddenly start to gain power and I know this as as someone who's gay and being part of the gay community and the gay community is is gaining
1: political power, political mm-hmm. clout
0: and cultural clout, mm-hmm. you know, whenever there's a whenever there's an under class that starts to gain a voice and starts to gain power the authority always interprets that upheaval of norms as a as an assault against them mm-hmm. and yeah. it's this pattern that just happens over and over and over again where no it isn't an assault on you it's an it's an equalizing of power mm-hmm.
1: the loss of privilege is not the same thing as as the, know, loss of freedom. the loss of freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, and yep. it
2: essentially what I keep hearing, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's like if a woman steps out of her place, that gives the man
0: the right to knock her back into
2: it.
1: That's how it that's certainly how it seems. Uh, that
0: certainly seems like the logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't yeah. say it. That mm-hmm. seems like the logical conclusion. Yeah. It's like you're making
2: me abuse you because you're not acting because like Because you're, you're not
1: behaving to. the way you should. Yeah.
2: Yep. Which is such a
1: predatorial so way
0: of looking at it.
1: Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> and then we'll go on to the second part. In the church.
0: Oh, there's more? Yeah. Oh, God.
1: Uh, this is, you know, this is the help redemption me Jesus, of Christ. Help me, Jesus. Removing the distortions introduced by the curse, which I assume means you know the harsh and selfish leadership of husbands and the resistance of of women okay read that Um, read that
0: one more time read that second part one more time
1: the second part oh yeah i I didn't read it yet i was giving a little intro got it so in the church redemption in christ gives men and women an equal share in the blessings of salvation Yup. with you so far nevertheless some governing and teaching roles within the church are restricted to men and again points to verses that that more or less say say those sorts of things in specific household codes written to specific churches at specific times. Uh, I will point uh, listeners again to part one, where we have you know a list of female leadership in the early church that is then affirmed and praised exactly. by Paul. You know
2: I love how a lot of these complementary churches, and I apologize for you having to reread the second part because i had a little bit of a come apart
1: oh i hadn't i hadn't read the second part yet i only read it once. oh you're good <laughs>
2: Donald had a moment. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> you have all the moments you want
2: in the complementarian churches. I love how like the teaching roles. I love how they'll like women can teach Sunday school until like the ch- children are I like twelve and thirteen.
1: off of thirteen. oh yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So you're telling me that a 60 year old woman who's been a Christian for 50 years and may you know has a college degree can't teach a 14 year old boy?
0: Mm-hmm. So basically this. Controlling female teachers, controlling the voice of women is, in effect, controlling society.
2: There's, hypo- there's so much hypocrisy.
0: I'm sorry, I know I no, jumped no, in here.
2: That First Corinthians scripture says, let your women keep silent. Mm-hmm. Do,
1: your,
2: do your women sing in the choir? <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> if they were and consistent. They yeah, if we were consistent. Yeah,
2: You know, do they, do they give the announcements? Read scripture, which, by the way, John Popper, I think, wrote an article about that too and how women shouldn't read the scripture there are some
1: church. complementarianisms who would say that women should not read scripture aloud in church oh
2: God it's like heaven makes forbid that hurt
1: makes my face but in
2: hurt. My, but most of them they do
1: yeah you know yeah, most they
2: do. give an, they do the announcements why because women are pretty and people pay attention to them.
1: <laughs> but, also women know yeah. what's going on we keep the calendars dang it. If you asked a man to give the announcements, he'd miss the potluck. Like, he wouldn't say them all.
0: Good. Starve them to death. <laughs>
1: yeah. He wouldn't tell everybody about all the things.
0: <clears throat> okay. So, all right. let's, let's move let's on. Let's
1: move on. Number seven. Oh, this one, this one got me real, got me real riled up. Is Seven. this just,
0: is, is this episode just going to devolve into us just screaming? Probably. Okay.
1: I, I warn you all. Just, so, <laughs> your <laughs> listeners,
0: we we might be on a downward path. We might be, we might be heading towards pandemonium. Anyway. I haven't taken my antidepressant yet, oh, y'all. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you know what? Neither have I.
1: Oh dear. Oh. So we're going unmedicated on this. We one. We
0: are going so unmedicated <laughs> on this. We might. It might become The Shining before we know it.
1: (laughs) Children of the core. (laughs)
0: Give me the
2: bat, Danielle. Give me the bat. All
1: right. Number seven. You're the only
0: sane one here, Danielle.
1: Okay. That's that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven. In all of life, Christ is the supreme authority and guide for men and women, good because he recognized the personhood and even authority to preach the gospel of women anyway so that no earthly submission domestic religious or civil ever implies a mandate to follow a human authority into sin and then guess what they list as scripture references they list acts 4 19 through 20 in which you know the apostles are saying no we we cannot bow to civil authority and stop preaching the gospel he also they also cite daniel three ten through 18 which is the story of meshach shadrach and abednego who uh the babylonian king nebuchadnezzar required everyone in the kingdom to bow down to a giant golden statue of himself these three young men who were jewish would not do it they were cast into a fiery furnace and god saved them short recap to this affirmation i say that's true christ is the supreme authority we should not allow earthly submission to authority to lead us into sin that said how how dare you how dare you american christians use these biblical examples how dare you no one is threatening to throw you into a fiery furnace no one is threatening to behead you or even flog you no one is threatening to send you to prison you need to calm down and sit down because no one is threatening you in these ways and you are ignoring the rest of the church in the world who are being threatened in these ways sit down and be quiet you cannot claim to have the same stake in this as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The worst that might happen to you is someone might laugh at you or you might lose your job. And that's just not the same thing. Speaking as someone who has been put out of a job by Christians with a traditional interpretation on this, who has lost a job over this because of Christians, I can say, yeah, Christ is the supreme authority over any earthly authority. And you need to be ready to maybe lose a job. How, how dare you? Cry me a river.
2: Preach, girl. Preach. I'm telling you, this girl, I'm telling you she is a Pentecostal preacher. Yes, she is. She She has
0: an untapped Pentecostal preacher inside her. Uh, And let me also add I have the the privilege as a gay person. I I am not obviously gay. You know, Mm -hmm. I can pass as generally straight, but there are a lot of LGBT people who cannot and who are threatened and whose lives are threatened. Miss Ida, Miss Ida, a guest on this show, our very good friend, Miss Ida, fabulous drag queen, she's been threatened before. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: with threats of violence. With threats
0: of violence. Like, I'm sorry.
1: It is still legal (laughs) in many states to uh, essentially deny someone housing because of their sexual orientation I can still
0: fucking Mm -hmm. lose my job and lose my housing because I am gay Mm -hmm. Uh, and that hasn't happened to me and it probably won't happen to me but the fact that that is still on the books here in North Carolina the fact that here in North Carolina there are still hate crimes even in our progressive city of Asheville there are still hate crimes against trans people and queer people of all stripes and gay people you know the fact that these underclasses are still being persecuted, I probably won't be. But the fact that my fellow LGBT people are actually being assaulted, are actually being killed. There has been an uptick of violence towards LGBT people since Trump got elected as president. OK, it's so fucking backwards and it, and. I have a hard time dealing with the hypocrisy and the rage where these Christians, as Danielle said, use these scriptures which actually cite legitimate
1: examples of persecution legitimate Mm -hmm. examples
0: of persecution well that is a slap in the face not just to other christians in other parts of the world who are actually being persecuted but it's also a slap in the face to
1: to the minorities whom you are currently persecuting to the
0: minorities you are currently persecuting here in the u.s yeah
2: and let's talk politics for a minute
0: okay (laughs) who got trump elected it was predominantly white lower middle class Evangelical and upper
1: middle class, and upper Mm -hmm. middle class.
0: Let's be honest. So these people who are claiming persecution
1: (laughs) just
2: put a president (laughs) in office, yeah, Yeah. Yes. who basically does whatever the blank they want him to.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Who
2: who is always saying these outrageous things to cater to that voting block, and also, you know, on a much probably less lesser note, is the hypocrisy. About the civil authorities, because who is always trying
0: to have people in office? I mean, yes, yeah, and who has direct line to those people in office? I mean, that's there the has, other thing. There
1: has never been a president who has not at least publicly claimed to be a Christian, whether or not you want to dispute, you know, their actual Christianity. All mm-hmm. of them have claimed it,
0: and and Christians have had a direct line to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And here's the disconnect
2: with the with the with the topic at hand: these same people who would die before they would sit under a woman pastor supported sarah palin they supported michelle bachman they are all about having their message in washington if it comes from a woman a woman can can be literally a heartbeat away
1: from from the the from
2: the most powerful position Mm -hmm. in the world not just in america
1: Hmm. Not
0: only that, they even from a gay person like Milo Yiannopoulos, you know, if these mm-hmm. minorities serve, e- e- if these minorities serve... Serve
1: the ideological ends of, of the, the evangelical r- voting base, then sure. It's oh, and the again, religious right, okay. then it's
0: fine. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, for threat of sounding cruel on my part, minorities like Milo and the women involved, we essentially become the useful idiots in the service of these uh you know in the service of these ideologies well because here's
2: the thing with those ideologies is as soon as you outlive your usefulness they turn on
0: you which is exactly what happened with milo Mm -hmm. that is precisely what happened with milo ianopoulos
2: our president can say that it's okay to grab women by the genitals and get away with it but you let their token gay person talk about pederasty
0: and then suddenly it's not okay
2: Nobody comes to his defense. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And nobody should have. I mean, that's a horrible, they're both equally horrible, nasty, ridiculous things to say. But one got away with it and one did not.
0: And this really gets at the heart of privilege. This really gets at the heart of what privilege is. Privilege is the fact that Donald Trump can get away with talking about grabbing a woman's pussy and does not suffer consequences for it, but Milo Yiannopoulos can talk about pederasty and does that exemplifies what privilege is. It is that Milo was punished for his statements and Trump was not. Mm-hmm. Milo is gay, Trump is not. This kind of exemplifies in action what that what privilege is. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a horrible
2: question going with that privilege and going with the topic at hand. If Milo had made the comment and the underage person involved had been female mm.
0: instead of male.
1: It would have been fine. <clears throat> no, it would have been fine.
0: Uh, exemplified by Roy Moore.
1: Exemplified by Roy Moore.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Exemplified
0: by Roy Moore, who admittedly lost the election, but was still supported. But it was a near thing. But it was a very near thing. <laughs>
1: and Trump still supported him.
0: Yeah.
2: Those mm-hmm. of us... That vehemently opposed him when he lost. We were shocked.
1: Oh, I was very. Let's surprised. be honest. Oh my God, pleasantly I was still... surprised. But I was very surprised. I was yeah. very pleasantly oh, yeah. surprised. So, so anyway.
0: let's. <laughs> so we, we. I'm. I'm mindful of our time. Yeah. So let's yeah. go ahead and move All right, on.
1: Number eight. In both men and women, a heartfelt sense of call to ministry should never be used to set aside biblical criteria for particular ministries. Give some scripture references. Rather, biblical teaching should remain the authority for our, for testing our subjective discernment of God's will.
2: And no, and every other circumstance that is bullcrap when it comes to evangelicals, the call is yep. everything. Thank
0: yep. you.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, like. And that's the thing. In uh, 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, which are two of the examples that they cite, which are not necessarily gender-specific, I have met many elders, quite frankly, who don't meet these qualifications in complementarian churches. I mean, essentially, you are... You are disqualified if you're divorced and remarried. Yes. Thank you. If you have children you. who aren't Christians. Yes. Thank if you. If you are accused of, quote, dissipation or rebellion, you can't be self willed, quick tempered, addicted to wine, pugnacious, fond of sordid gain. There goes you all must the be. Key-ringing. You must be hospitable, <laughs> love what is good, sensible, just, devout self-controlled, <laughs> holding fast the faithful word. So yeah, no. And most of those I would absolutely agree with for a man or a woman. Yeah, no, I don't want a woman who is self-willed or quick-tempered or addicted to wine or pugnacious. No. I mean,
0: that's basically everyone since Martin Luther. <laughs> like, I think pugnacious... I think pugnacious Accurately is the, is the most what? irascible, <laughs> yeah, irritable, irritable
1: grumpy, grumpy, ready to fight,
0: ready to mm-hmm, fight. You know, yeah. I, I think pugnacious is one of the best descriptions of the Protestant <laughs> tradition in general. <laughs>
1: that I've really heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was Titus one. So, yes, biblical teaching should and biblical example shows us that women can be leaders. See earlier comments.
0: Yes. See above.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Nine. with half the world's population outside the reach of indigenous evangelism, with countless other lost people in those societies that have heard the gospel, with the stresses and miseries of sickness, malnutrition, homelessness, illiteracy, ignorance, aging, addiction, crime, incarceration, neuroses, and loneliness, no man or woman who feels a passion from God to make his grace known In word and deed, need ever live without a fulfilling ministry for the glory of Christ and the good of this fallen world.
0: Well, okay, so Mm -hmm. I I do, I appreciate the fact that they are kind of opening it up to these wider social issues. Yeah. I I do appreciate
1: that. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) I don't quite understand
0: what they're saying, though. Basically,
1: they're saying, women, you don't need to be pastors to address the ills of this world in word and deed. You can do other things to have fulfilling ministries to the glory of God. Yeah,
0: You can teach teach boys until they're the age of 13. You
1: can teach Sunday school.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here's Here's the underlying thing here. Let let let's say what they're really saying. Let's let's peel back the layer a little Mm,
1: bit. Okay.
2: Women in these type of churches have always been allowed to be missionaries.
1: Sure, because what? Because brown people don't count anyway.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's okay for them to teach overseas. Yeah. It's okay for them to teach the pagan. It's okay for them to teach the indigenous. But don't don't you dare want to be a pastor in front of white people.
1: Yeah, mm, that's yeah. a good point. If you want to teach,
2: mm-hmm. if you want to teach brown people, foreign people, non non English speaking people, I
1: heard complementarians praise say Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary in India.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was actually yeah. just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Where at our like, really praise her, like at our Christian high school, yeah, they they talked a lot about her, and I, here I am thinking Amy
1: Simple McFierce, like female missionary, and I'm like,
0: you barely, you you have a willful pay gap between men and women at our Christian school where women got paid, women teachers got paid so much less than men intentionally like deliberately and yet here they are praising
1: This woman missionary. This woman missionary.
0: Mm -hmm. And and I'm just, yeah, anyway, let's move on.
2: Incidentally, incidentally, Stephen, I do have this. I had this question in the last episode, but I didn't get to ask it. Yeah. Was the fact that your mom was a pastor, did that ever come up at your Christian school?
0: Oh, yes, it did. Okay. Let (laughs) me actually. Story time. I'm so glad you asked that because so in the school directory, both my parents were listed as reverends. Mm. So there is the the Reverend Brad and the Reverend Laura and other families saw that and would challenge me on that and they would come up to me you know the kids of these families of these very conservative families would come up and challenge me on that literally
1: did not know that
0: Yeah no they would literally challenge me on that and, and say so you so your mom's a pastor so your mom's a pastor and i was like yeah. yeah and they would say so what do you say about so and so scripture that says women shouldn't be ministers and i would <laughs> my my answer was basically like well I, you know i'm sorry my mom's a heretic i really have no choice you know i didn't i haven't I didn't choose that i didn't choose yeah. that like sorry like I was, but yeah, no, and and different teachers too were just conspicuously quiet when the subject came up. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, yeah,
1: because I, as far as I remember, the school never never specifically spoke against women being ordained ministers.
0: No, not but. not for those in <laughs> attendance. Yeah, but, but internally, it had very much a very strong conservative mm-hmm. culture. Like Okay, yeah, yeah. So bas- uh-huh. that was an issue.
1: All right. Yeah. No. Essentially, I agree. There are a lot of societal problems that are causing a lot of pain and misery, and uh, no man or woman who feels a passion from God to make his grace known in word and deed need ever live without a fulfilling ministry. Nope. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure we'd disagree about what ministries uh, would be appropriate for about, whom.
0: About the glass but, ceiling that they're putting on that. Yeah, the glass... the glass
1: ceiling that they're putting on that. Because here's the thing. They're staying the I'm stained
0: glass ceiling.
1: <laughs> if you silence someone's, an, the, the voice of an entire group of people, abuses are going to be committed against that group of exactly. people. Exactly. They are going to be, they simply are. Exactly. It's simply going to happen. Like it's in human nature. It has been borne out in human systems for as long as there have been human systems. You can't simply say separate but equal and have it be true.
0: Exactly. And this
1: is
2: one, and let me go on record, I think I've gone on record of saying this too, but I want to say it again, that one of the reasons that as a minister I am so passionate about the equality of men and women, because I feel like the oppression of women is the most fundamental oppression that we have. And that 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 breeds all the others. You know, I'm thinking of trans rights Mm. because, and I know this is going to be politically incorrect, but know that I'm saying this as a, this is what they say, not what I say.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. First of all, trans men, especially those with passing privilege are not nearly as persecuted as trans women. Exactly. Nope.
1: nope. Yep. Especially
2: mm-hmm. trans women of color, because here's the thing, and trans people listening, this is what other people, this is the thought of other people, not my thought. I love you. I affirm you. So know that before this comes out of my mouth. Absolutely. Because he, because here's the problem. How dare a man want to become
0: a woman?
1: Yeah exactly how dare he demean <clears throat> himself in that way and and
0: also i think the hatred of homosexuality is and is ultimately <laughs> rooted in the fear and the loathing and the hatred of men behaving in any way like women mm-hmm. it is the breakdown of those boundaries
1: yeah
2: and even within the lgbt community for fem shaming oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. oh
1: absolutely all right that being said number 10 we are convinced that a denial or neglect of these principles will lead to increasingly destructive consequences in our families, our churches, and the culture at large.
2: It is the nuclear button.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is the line in the sand. We found it, guys. We found it.
0: To which I say, get with fucking reality. Yeah. Because here's the thing. If you, and by you, I'm speaking to the the authors of this statement and the culture that affirms it. If you want to have any clout, if you want to have any capacity to speak fully to people like me who are gay, people like me who are outside of your culture, people like me who have healthy, enduring, strong gay relationships, get with the fucking program get on board with reality and understand that this whole system we I haven't even addressed this yet my life is so outside of your universe of meaning my life and my healthy relationship Mm -hmm. is so far outside this whole bullshit construct that you've created that if if you actually want to speak to me and evangelize to me get with the fucking program deal with reality and accept the fact that my life has no That my life yeah, exists, that it actually exists and it's healthy and mm-hmm. it's good. And the only way you can do that is if you enter a radical discomfort. The only way you can speak to the world, the only way you can speak to people like me and to Danielle and Donald and I would say most of the people listening, the only way you can actually speak to people like us is by entering the radical discomfort of actually putting aside your assumptions for once and stepping into our space, stepping into this alternate universe where gay relationships are healthy, where women can be leaders, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, and enter that discomfort and go from there
2: because what you're what they're doing essentially is they are making the opposite happen they're keeping. Because of this kind of viewpoint and because of laws that are on the books in North Carolina, it's keeping relationships like your and John's from being as healthy as they can be. Luckily, this doesn't affect you and John because one of you has a job that's federal, not state. That, you know, you can cover your partner with insurance to ensure that if something happens to them yes mm-hmm. they're taking they're taken care of that's yes. a healthy thing to do you can if you get married you can which you can do in North Carolina because it's a federal law now and you know you can file your taxes together which makes it easier to you can file loans together that makes it easier to get housing that makes it easier to exactly to do to do all this stuff to ensure that your life is as healthy on the practical side as it can be as it is on the emotional and mental side which by the way guys I'm a pen minister i'm as cons- i came from as conservative stock as they come uh-huh and i am telling you having known john and Stephen as long as i have their relationship is, is, is way healthier than most of the heterosexual relationships i know uh,
0: same you know well and and here's what really gets me about this here's what really gets under my skin is so relationships need societal support to flourish gay relationships historically have not had that support any any support Mm -hmm. And, and so you know of course looking through you know our recent history in america over the past century of course by my estimation gay relationships were hard they they struggled more and and there was greater dysfunction in them but the reason for that was because there was a lack of societal support of societal support well then you know these people look you know the the conservatives look at that as evidence of the inherent corruption of gay relationships unaware when they're the ones that did it when they are the ones you know when when they are preserving when they're the ones preserving the society that makes such health impossible and so but at
1: least very difficult or at least very Mm -hmm. difficult
0: and and exactly And, and so I yeah, that I think is what makes me very angry is they end
2: up creating the apocalypse. They're so afraid of
0: exactly
1: in a lot of ways
0: In a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So, well, we're coming here to the end of this show. Donald and Danielle, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off?
2: (sighs) Just that what I've said from the beginning of all of these episodes is that the reason this is so important is if we can get a handle on how we treat the other half of the human species, we can get easily get a handle on how we treat every other aspect of humanity. If the oppression of women can be addressed and be fixed, then the oppression of different races, the oppression of sexual minorities of gender identities. I think we then have a framework for it to fall into place, but we've got to get a handle on at least the most fundamental oppression in our world, and that is the oppression of women and
0: girls. And you know that that's a really brilliant insight because if you think about it, not every human being encounters, well now at this point, yes, they probably do, but not every human being encounters Someone of another race or another sexual orientation or, you know, we can put these filters between us and the other in that way. But one thing we can't do is put a filter between us and the opposite sex. Or the opposite We all came from a You woman. all have a mom. <laughs> we <laughs> all have a mom. And so this really is, mm-hmm. this really is kind of the most fundamental other. If you yeah. think about it, it is oh, the yeah. most fundamental mm-hmm. divide between humanity. It, it, we all have, we all are confronted with it and we all have to figure out how we're going to deal with it. And it's, it permeates our world beyond culture, you know? And, yeah. and so that is actually a really brilliant insight. If we can figure out, if we can hack that most fundamental division, then we can start <laughs> (laughs) to figure out how to treat other people with dignity and respect.
1: And that's really what we're talking about. Like, I realize that it may may feel to some who will lose privilege in this process, it may feel as though, you know, you are being shut down or denigrated or, you know, any of those things. I would say that by and large, I won't speak for everyone, but by and large, that is not the intention of, you know, the LGBTQ community or women or yes. minorities. That is not their intention. They simply want actual equality.
0: I just want to live my life.
1: I want to live my life. I, and I don't want you to be able to tell me how.
0: I want to live mm-hmm. my life with my partner. I
1: don't want to have to quit a job. Because of sexual harassment
0: or I don't want to have to ask my co-workers when I go to a new job What my boss's stance is on homosexuality mm-hmm. to determine how secret I have to be
2: I don't want to have to risk my credentials every time I talk about this subject
0: There You go. You know, and,
2: exactly. and I don't want and let's be a little bit more real I don't want any other teenager to ever have to change at a bathroom barricading the door because people are kicking it in because they think you're a femme and a gay person. Hmm.
0: Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So I know that we've really gotten into the weeds <laughs> here theologically.
1: We've geeked out.
0: We have geeked out. But, you know, I think it's all in the service of something very important, which is that this geeky theology, these are kind of the ideas that do shape our culture, like it or not, well, for good shape, or Well, they Ill. shape the
1: evangelical subculture, they, they which shape, is... Which you know. in turn shapes American
0: culture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just mm-hmm. be honest. And so, you know, for good or for ill, we have to deal with these ideas. We can't just dismiss them. Mm-hmm. and And so I, I think we do have to geek out and really get into the weeds. And so for those of you who who have stayed with us this far, thank you so much. And for those of you who who can't wait for me to get to my regular stuff about you know cults and gay stuff <laughs> and weird stuff and all that kind of and all the normal stuff I do, uh, we'll be back to that very soon. Well, that's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. The music is by The Jelly Rocks. The artwork is by Justin Caleb Bryant. We'll see you next week.